Praise God. Hey, guys. Okay. Oh, hey. Is it on? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> Way more happier than it would make you. <laughs> I figured Jesus shed that blood to get me free, and then they hand me a handheld and put me back in bondage. <laughs> Everybody good? You don't usually do a Saturday night around here, probably. Maybe not. Or do you? No? You do sometime? Good. Okay. I grew up with the brother. And yeah. And he said, what? But it was a little different than this one. <laughs> I guess I can be real. It was a lot different than this one. <laughs> I was standing there going, am I in the church of the brother? <laughs> I mean, I know there's brethren. <laughs> it was just different. You know, where'd Pastor go? Where'd he go? Oh, there he is. No, that's okay. I just went, I knew you were right there, and I just looked. The first church, excuse me, I ever spoke in as a guest, it was a strange situation. I, I, I spoke in a church. I wasn't even a year old in the Lord. And I got invited to speak at a church. I wasn't even a year saved. And uh, I won't go into how that all worked out, but it was a, a, a church of the brother. And they heard my testimony, and they asked if I'd come. And my pastor was nervous because I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, I am. I'm excited. You can't tell right now because I play it calm. I play it cool so I can communicate. Because I'm not here to like. That wouldn't do you any good if I just stand up here and do like this. But so I, I calm down the best I can. I think I'm doing good. Most people don't think I'm doing good, but. They think I'm excited. I'm like, I'm way worse on the inside than your seat. <laughs> way worse. Like, way worse. I'll sit on an airplane, talk to somebody. I try to get calm. They ask me something, and I get talking. And they'll ask me a question, like, why was I in town? And I start talking, and, and then Jesus will come up pretty quick. And, and then they'll be like, wow, you're really passionate, aren't you? And I'm like, do you see passion? And they're like, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and I actually believe I'm doing so good. And I, I don't last two minutes with them. <laughs> but I went to this church. My pastor was nervous. He said, you need to learn how to stand on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. You can't be moving around. You'll freak them out, distract them. You got to stand right there and communicate straight. And I said, I, I just can't do that. I'm going to trust Jesus. And uh, I got there. So it's different. Different church of brothers can be different, I guess, because this is true. All the women were on one side and all the men were on another. And the women couldn't talk. I got a word at the end for a lady. And, oh, I got the note. It's somewhere at home because I got a stack of stuff. I got a note from this lady. She was suicidal. She was going through so much in her life. And she was, she was afraid she was going to go to hell. But she wanted to die. And she was thinking, how can I do this and not get judged forever? That's how bad it was. And I got a word from the Lord and pretty much all but pointed to her. I didn't know who it was, but laugh out to a T. And her husband over in the corner raised his hand on her behalf. See, I was never in a church like that. That was Church of the Brother, and this is not the same. <laughs> something changed in the last. Something changed. But anyway, and then, and then you, you, something changed. But it was beautiful because I was scared. I was scared, not in a ah way. I was nervous for the people because I was like, Lord, I know you know what you're doing, but I'm nervous. 
because I didn't know how he was going to touch her. I didn't know what. I, I just pictured the power of God coming on this lady. And I pictured all these people running out the church and me chasing them down the street. It's okay. It's the Lord. <laughs> but it was the most sweetest, beautiful thing. She just melted in the presence of God and, and just said, oh, Jesus, Jesus. But God touched her. He healed her. He changed her. It was amazing. I got a letter from her, but that was in a church of the brethren. It was the first place I ever spoke after I got saved. It was uh, nine months after I got saved. Man, it's making me emotional, just all the, all the blessings and the things I've gotten to be a part of. But I grew up in the Church of the Brother, and I was baptized at the Church of the Brother when I was 12, because I went to a class, and when you were 12 where I went, then they did the water baptism. So, yeah. Now, 30, age 33 is when I believe I really got born again. I, I, nothing against the Brother in Church or any church I went to. Mom tried to mix it up as I got a teenager because I got restless. And I didn't know the Lord like, like nobody really made it clear to me. And all I knew about the Lord was this poor fellow Jesus had to get really beat bad on a cross because I sinned. And he did that so I could be forgiven and someday go to heaven. And I'm thinking, okay, great, but what? I, it, I did, it never changed my life. It, I never saw God's love in it. I had so many questions. Well, why does he love me? Why does he care so much? Why would Jesus do that? Why does he want me in heaven? He feels so far away now. Anybody ever think that stuff or was it just me? Help me somebody. Like this message that I grew up with never hit me. Like it was just something that I felt indebted to. I felt like I owed the Lord. But when you feel like you owe the Lord, you always run a risk of not fulfilling what you feel like you owe. That was my dilemma. So by the time I was 18, I, I cut out because I think I'm old enough to make my own decisions. Didn't have to listen to mom anymore. It's funny how Sunday morning I was acting like I was sleeping and every other morning I'm up at 6, <laughs> 7 o'clock out running Sunday morning. Faking, just faking. <laughs> she said, I know you ain't sleeping. Get out of bed. <laughs> she made me go to church. <laughs> See, now you can't keep me from him. Come on. That's right. Like he's not going anywhere, but you couldn't keep me from him. It's different now. But I was 33 when I got saved, but, but I found this. I found this in the, in, the, in the, not the gospel of John, the epistles of John. In the back of my Bible, before Revelation, I found this where he said, it's not that we loved God first, but that he first loved us. And here's what I realized back in that day. I know everybody called it the love of God, that God sent his son and died on the cross for God so loved the world and yea, he loved. But I had so many questions about it, nobody made it clear. I didn't understand why he would die just to give, forgive my sin. It never changed me. If at best, it left me a forgiven sinner. I was the same man with the peace of mind that hopefully I was forgiven through what he did. And when the bell rings, when the trumpet blows, according to the word, I'll be on the list. <laughs> Is that anybody else in the room? Growing up? Okay. Okay. 
So I quit going to church, a lot of darkness, a lot of not bad, not, not, I wasn't sleeping around, cheating on my wife, I wasn't a drinker, I didn't do drugs. I was just mean, I was unhappy, I was selfish. I didn't know how to love, but I said, I love you. But when I said I love you, it was for what I could get out of that situation. So it's kind of like, I love you, do you love me? What I'm really saying is I love you for me. Selfish to the core. Had no capacity to love my wife. Why? Because the Spirit of God wasn't on the inside of me and God is love. Nobody's love apart from Him. You might have an emotion of love. You might have a deep feeling. You might have that phileo and that eros thing and you can look up all the words. They're all there. Different forms of love. But that agape love, that love that doesn't think for itself, that just lays down its life for another, that love that just says, I love you. You have no ability to walk in that without the Spirit of God on the inside of you because God is love. Yeah? So I had no ability to love my wife, but I was married and I said, I love you, but I needed her. So my I love you, which a lot of us how you make me reduced to I need you. I love you for what you do for me, how you make me secure, how you stabilize my life. That's why people say, I don't know what I'd do without you. That's not a compliment, that's idolatry. People that have need in their life to feel like somebody loved that language when somebody can't live without them, they become codependent driven and now they need to be needed. So they actually live for that. They want to be in that position. But the trouble is you're on thin ice because as much as a person's making you, they run the risk of totally breaking you. Do you ever see somebody split up and the person can't sleep, can't eat, can't function, losing weight, can't concentrate, and the other person walks off like nothing happened? It never was love. It was need meeting need. And one person changes and doesn't see the value of the relationship anymore and moves on, and the other one is still connected. So this is, this is where my life was. This is where everybody's life is without Jesus. we got to make sure, guys, that now that we're in Jesus and he's in us, we don't stay there. We don't want to bring him into that. The gospel transformed. Oh, my voice really pitched. I'm fired up. My, the gospel. Man, you guys got me worked up. I never range like that. The gospel. I don't even know what happened. I went soprano. <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> Got your attention, didn't it? Nobody's sleeping. Yay. I work all day and be tired and you're not going to sleep. Holy Ghost will keep you awake. It's very important we hear this stuff. That's why we gather. Come on, this isn't just a special service, special speaker, or is he anointed? What's God going to do? No, no, no. How can we become more like him? How can we become empowered? How can the light get brighter? How in my sphere of influence can I get touched by God in a way that my life has impact without me being pressured or trying so hard? How can I just live changed? How can I just wake up in him and be changed without striving and self-conscious and projecting? Just me changed. It's not as hard as we think. It's pretty simple, actually. I'm either the most deceived man you've ever met, or I've been living that way for 24 years. So I'm either lying, and we'll find out someday, 
<laughs> or I'm telling the truth, and we ought to pay attention. <laughs> it's one or the other. Deceived and twisted and whacked or free? I got my chips on free. See, because you just see me for the weekend. I, get I know me a little better than you do. A lot of years went by. Marriage was really in trouble. For 13 years, I lived with my wife as married. Had no capacity to love her. She was a champ. She did good. She did good to keep peace. She went the extra mile. She was six months saved when we met. She wanted a change in her life. I didn't want anything else to do with church. I was done with church. I went to church up until then, until I met her. Uh, there was this guy who was going to take me under his wing and disciple me, I remember. And I was like, oh, man, I think it's time to get out of this youth group. They're getting too serious. <laughs> and then I found out that he had improper stuff going on in his life. And even though I didn't really care and wasn't giving my life to Jesus, I used that as an excuse to be hurt and justify my own ways. You know how we do that? We know, you know how we let what, what people did decide who we are? That means they're controlling us. That means we're being controlled. You say, well, I wouldn't be this way if they didn't. Well, why are you letting what they did define you and decide you? People do it all the time. They let one person and what one person said or did decide their life. But the trouble is the name of that one person is not Jesus. So why is one person governing? Well, you don't know the spouse I got to live with, brother. God never said that when he sent his son about your spouse. See, what happens is when you fix your eyes on where your spouse isn't, where they aren't decides where you are. When you get your eyes fixed on the dysfunction of another person's life that you're depending on and expecting of, then you start subtly getting, slowly getting permission to be a product of whatever it is they are or aren't. That's deception, people. People say, well, you don't know what I went through. I understand what you're trying to say, and we're not preaching any kind of denial. What I'm saying is, what about what Jesus went through? Doesn't that matter at some point? Do we have to look at that and look at what we become through him, or do we just stay a product of this and use him to get us through this? Are we just using God to get us through? Is he a survival kit? Or is he the answer for a brand new life? Is he a new and living way? Yeah? Anyone in Christ? New creation. Old things pass away. All things new. My perspective, my mindset, my motive, my reason for being. I was dead. Now life's on the inside of me. I was living for me. And he said, deny that. Come on. Matthew 16. If any man come after me, let him first. First. What? Deny. You know what we did? All life. And we turned the gospel in. If any man come to him, pray a prayer and make sure his name's in a book called Life. We say, if you leave this church and die on the way home, do you know if you're going to heaven? That's our order calls, guys. Our whole push is to get to heaven. His push is to get heaven back into you. Come on. There's nowhere in the Bible that he made heaven the motive. And if you die tonight... It's all about deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Don't let life decide who you are. Let the life in you already settle. Yeah? Don't let what you're going through decide who you are. What he went through is the truth about you. Come on, if you're not careful, life is speaking way louder than truth. And that's a problem because truth is what makes you free. 
And all of a sudden, you're only as good as it's going instead of as good as he is in you. See, there's a reason he's in us, and the reason is to shine. So the gospel took all my justification away for not shining. <laughs> and you could never be my reason again. Years ago, I used to think if God would just tweak you, life would be better. Do <laughs> you ever think that with me? Do you ever think people were a little weird? Yeah. Did you ever think people were a little weird? Think how self-righteous and proud that is. That me, an individual, looking at a crowd thinking, boy, people are weird. Why don't you just tweak them a little, God? Life would be better. I just thought he had some tweak gun, you know. What you do, you're preference-driven. Your preference is an idol. In other words... Your preferences matter more than walking in love. So we pick who we like, pick who we don't like. We pick and choose. First impressions. We cleave to these. We shy away from these. Can you picture Jesus living that way? Because men were living that way. When he came and didn't live that way, that was a problem. He surrounded himself around the people he, they thought he shouldn't be nowhere around. Why? But where sin abounded, grace came greater. Not to empower sin, to get him out of it. Jesus was different. They treated him like he was different. Somebody said, brother, you're different. <laughs> See, I'm not trying to be different. I just want to be more like him. I want to have his heart inside of me. I don't want that to just be theological. I don't want that to just be scriptural. I want it to be life. I'm going to wake up in him. I don't want it to just be positional, seated in heavenly places with Christ. How does that help? How does that change my life? How does that affect my coworker? How does that touch the person at the gas pump with the love of God? Yeah. <laughs> see, when I, you with me? But if, if we don't deal with this self thing, see? See, when I got married, it was all about me. She was a Christian and I didn't. And she said, are you a Christian? Well, of course I told her, yeah, I'd help the cause. <laughs> if I said no, we probably ain't moving forward. And I figured I grew up in church, ought to be a Christian. I mean, I'm an American. I figured most Americans are probably Christians at that age. I'm thinking that way. I'm thinking, well, it's Americans, a Christian nation. Says God, we trust right on our money. You're a teenager. You just figure, yeah, of course I'm Christian. So I told her, yeah, but we got a problem. There's not one thing about my life that looks like Christ or am I pursuing for it to look like Christ. See, Christ in you is what Paul labored to accomplish. Christ in you. He said he worked and labored continually till Christ be formed in people. And he said, Christ in you, in you, you is the hope of glory. <sighs> You look up the word glory. You know what glory means? Any made seen, any realized attribute of God. Any realized evidence of who God is is the glory of God revealed. So the Christ in you is the hope of God being seen and known. Now that ain't going to happen through selfishness. That ain't going to happen through being moody. That ain't going to happen through an attitude, an outburst, a fit, arrogance, pride, anger, frustration. But we think these things are normal. But God didn't make us that way. We became that way. That's why you got to put off the old and put on the new. That's why you got to get born again. Because we were born into Adam. And what came with Adam was separation from God and the nature of the enemy of God. 
Come on, Adam didn't just sin in the garden. Read your Bible. He got separated from love. He got cut off from love. He became in need of love. He took on the nature of God's enemy, and he's a God unto himself. The day he ate the tree is the day he surely died, but he didn't fall over dead. That means everything he was created to be was lost through sin. But it wasn't lost through God because he had a plan, a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. See, nobody taught me this when I was little. Nobody taught me that Jesus came to redeem my purpose, my value, my destiny. They just said he came because I was a bad boy. And it left me a bad boy that was hoping he was forgiven and had no chance for change. Oh, I ran smack into change, I promise. (laughs) I put off myself in prayer and I just put it all away and I saw it for what it really was and went, whoo, what was I thinking? one around you. Selfish, lonely world. Living at the expense of everyone around you when you're living for you. You're in a family, cop and attitude. Huh, well, whatever. Yeah? Spouses, silent treatment. What's the matter, honey? Nothing. I'm fine. You know, the wife comes up to the husband. Honey, what? I'm fine. I just, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. She already knows you're not good. Why are you even doing that? Here's what I know. Jesus wouldn't do it. And if I can't find it in him, I don't want permission for it in me. I want to get so used. I don't want to get so familiar with who we've been apart from him that somehow we can stay the same now that he's here. Oh, that's real good. I just added real in front of good. That's, I, just, I just took it up. But it is good. No, it is good because it's what I live by, so I'm going to preach it to you with passion. If I can't find it in him, why should I have it in me? All of a sudden, I realize the biggest problem on the planet is man living for himself. You can be a Christian for yourself, just for your own gain, for blessing, for provision, for eternal security. You can be a Christian and not even be thinking about his great name. You can be a Christian and not even be thinking about living for his glory. You're just living to survive, living for blessing. That's why people are mad at God. They give themselves away when they're mad at God. They're reducing to a genie in a bottle, a need meter. You can't be mad at God when you understand the gospel, when you have a covenant, when you love not your own life unto death. How can you be mad at God even over death? Because you're never going to die. Oh, I'm on this thing right now, see? Come on, be real with me. We've been told a lot of stuff. We got a lot of motives for going after God. We've turned him into our servant. We've turned him into our table waiter. We've turned him into our genie. I'm telling you, folks, get mad at God. I've been saved long enough and around Christians. People are mad. They say, well, I'm just working through something with God. Well, we ain't been talking. The rent's paid and you in church. Rent ain't paid. Drawing attention to yourself. Saying, What's wrong? Well, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Singing, he ain't never failed me yet. Man, oh, where's the rent money? Where's the rent money? <laughs> See, you don't even understand covenant. You're in as long as he's doing everything you want him to. And he's given his whole self through his son, and he's waiting for you to give your whole self back to his son so his son can live in you and shine through you and love through you. You with me? 
See the Bible in, the, in, in Genesis in the beginning of the book, chapter 1. Talks about creation. You guys know the chapter. And right in chapter 1, it says that God made man. So I'm, I'm done with that one. I'm settled on that one. I don't have to search out science. God made man. I'm going to believe the Bible. I'm going to take that book. I'm going to find out the truth and go for it. So God made man. But when I found out that God made man, I found out he didn't just make man. He's not happenstance. He made man with intention. He made man with, in pers- with, in, with intention, with purpose. He said, let us make man in our So the next verse says, so God made man in his image, in his own likeness. And guess what he made? Both male and female in his image. So guess what the reason a man is on the earth for first? The image and likeness of God. Guess what the Bible reason a woman's on the earth for first? To serve the man? The image and likeness of God. We've been so far removed, so tricked into following our own selves, and well, the heart's always wicked, and man's evil, and who knows, the heart of man, blah, 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 blah. And we quote all this Old Testament stuff where they were living outside a covenant. We're in a new covenant, folks. New covenant, new life, new living way. Did you catch the word that's important? New. <laughs> Yay. Come on. So what happens? The day you eat the tree, Adam's the day you surely die. Adam doesn't fall over dead. Now i got to wonder because if God said it, something, something had to die. If God said the day you eat the tree is the day you surely die, he ain't holding out and he didn't misspeak. Something died. What died? He didn't die. What died? Who he was created to be died. What he was died. Come on, get this. He was made one with God. The nature and image of God was inside the man. The man was on the earth shining, man. The Spirit of God in a man. And God is love. So God made man to love. So man sins and gets caught off from the source of love and becomes in need of love. Every one of us was born into that deficit right there. Everyone in this room, from the oldest to the youngest, knows exactly what I mean. From the time you had conscious awareness of your own self, you needed stability, support, affection, encouragement. You needed all that stuff that we psychologically have assessed and called a healthy upbringing. And most of us haven't had it. Then a product. So at a very young age, you become nothing more than a product of what you've been through and however you've responded. At a very young age, you believe this is you. I asked the Lord a long time ago in my heart, and this is what I believe, I, the impression I got back from the Lord. I said, why do people cling to their past so strong? Why can you preach a powerful, clear, exciting, hope-filled message and people say, well, brother, but you don't know what I've been through. Yeah. <laughs> well, but brother, you don't know what it was like growing up. And they're 45. Saying you don't know what it's like. And he said it's the only place they ever found any sense of identity, whether good or bad. And they hold on to it because they believe it's them. Now you think about that. Now you watch this. Everybody in this room was born into Adam. Romans 5 teaches us that really clear. And Adam was cut off from God through sin. And he was cut off from the source of love. Adam was a God unto himself. Self-centeredness ruled his life. 
He went from flesh of my flesh, Eve, flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone, bone, woman, woman, to it was the woman you gave me, she gave me to eat. Did you eat the tree, Adam? Did I forbid you to eat? How did you know you were naked? Did you eat the tree? Yes or no question. It was the woman she gave, that you gave me. What's he saying? He's saying, look, look. If you wouldn't have gave me the woman, I probably wouldn't have ate the tree. So work that all out. But don't look at me. <laughs> Come on. What happened when man sinned? He got cut off from the source of love and the nature of God left him and he was just stuck with the raw, bare, flesh-driven nature of man which is actually the nature of his enemy. God's enemy, the devil. Pride, self-righteousness, frustration, anger, competitiveness, jealousy, all that stuff came upon man in a moment. Why? Because you took out love. And here's the biggest component of love that makes it so what it is. Love doesn't seek its own. And it takes, because it doesn't seek its own, it takes no account of the wrong done to it. Why have we been so hurt in our lives? And why do we remember it like it was yesterday? Because we haven't been loved. We've been self-focused and centered. And we have hidden, unspoken expectations to fail us because people. And we're failed continually because they're positioned to fail us because we need something from them. So now we have to reduce ourselves to psychology and just try to live the best we can and not hurt each other. Well, wonder if we take away the foundation of hurt. We say, well, God heals the brokenhearted. So we have auto calls every week to pray for God to heal our broken heart as if, well, okay, it's broke. I got to get it fixed and I'll go back out in the world. It's going to get busted up again. Thank God I can get back to this altar in a week. <laughs> why aren't we teaching people why they don't have to be broken? If love takes no account of the wrong done to it, that doesn't sound broken. Come on, 1 John 2. He who is perfected in love has no cause for offense in his brother. That doesn't sound broken. It doesn't say for God was so broken and so shattered by humanity that he finally pulled the ace card and sent his son. For God so. See, the whole time we were living in darkness, he's looking at us and saying, I know you people better than that. You were made for the light. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. What's Jesus saying? If they knew who they were, they wouldn't be living what they're living. If they knew who they were, they wouldn't be saying what they're saying. I'm going to give my life and be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. See, this is a different gospel than I grew up with. This is so personal. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> People say, well, it'll cost you everything. It'll only cost me what I never was in the first place. <laughs> me living for me. Watch this. If you get rid of you, where's discouragement going to rest? True discouragement. Where is it going to rest if you're not self-focused? See, a lot of us believe to this day, even in this room, we haven't thought deep on this. We believe to this day that it's just a part of normal life. And if you talk outside of that, you're either in denial or overstating. 
So what we do is we lord our experience over grace that transforms, follow me. So we make our human experience Lord and then sing to Jesus from a religious standpoint without receiving grace to be changed because we expect these things because we think it's normal. Normal to be hurt, normal to be offended, normal to get angry. So we just try to anger management. Well, for the Christian, that's hypocrisy. What's saying is you're really angry, you're just not showing it. We'll put on a mask. So I mean play a little bit. That's the, that's the definition of hypocrisy. Game player, mask wearer. So I meet Pastor Dave and something about him just bothers me to no end. And I just say, hey, Pastor, you're awesome. Hey, I'm managing my anger. I'd sure like to tell him off right now. <laughs> but you're pretty cool, Dave. Hey, hope you have a great day, man. Tear it up on Sunday. All right, love you, buddy. <laughs> and then I say, oh, I am just managing my anger. Well, the Bible doesn't say manage your anger in one single scripture. It says to put it off. You yourself are to put it off. You can't put off anger and not get trapped into works unless your perspective on life changes. If you don't let God change your perspective, then you're just trying not to be angry. That's impossible. If you don't change where you live from, nothing will change. So we were born into Adam, and you must be born again. Somehow we turned that into a beneficial prayer that benefits me instead of transforms me. Come on. How many of us have come to services like this just to see what God might do for us instead of how he will make us more like him? It's all about, it's always been about transformation. It's always been about change. Watch this. So Adam becomes a God unto himself. He takes on the nature of God's enemy and boom, he, he, he can't love anymore. He's bankrupt. He's in need of love. But he doesn't know how to get to God because of sin. But God's the same. God makes a promise. Lamb slain. There's one going to seed, your seed, his seed, crush your head, bruise his heel. Right? He, he proclaims a promise that there's one coming that's going to settle this thing. So Jesus comes, settles this thing. And in the process, he says something amazing in Matthew 16. He says, if any man, which means everybody's invited. Look, you're just done. I'm no good to argue with anymore. It's not that I need to be right. I've just read the Bible. If any man, come after me. Don't limit who any man is. There's so many of us fighting over this stuff. And when we fight, we get angry at each other. And we prove we don't know the Lord when we're doing all that. We're just bound up by Scripture. In an intellectual way. And our knowledge has puffed us up. And it's love that edifies. It's love that edifies. I mean, if you're feeling true anger and animosity towards people, that's a warning signal you don't know Jesus like you could. So instead of justifying your feelings and telling everybody why you feel that way, because of what they did, I bet that conversation won't fly too well in heaven. I just put all our guilt and tell all us what we did and why he was so ticked. <laughs> Heaven just put all our guilt on his son and said, I'll just see you as if you've never sinned. How's that? And let's just start from scratch and make you brand new. Let's put a new heart in you, a new life in you. Let's put my spirit in you. 
Let's start this thing from scratch. Whoa. <laughs> you see what's wrong with me? I believe this thing. I am forgiven of everything I've ever done. So his life could come back inside of me. So I could deny myself, pick up my cross, and now I'm following Jesus. You get it? First thing on the list, deny yourself. Why? We just found out in Genesis 1, you were never made for you. You were made for his image. You were made for his glory. You were made for his great name. So if you're living for yourself, you'll never bring glory to him. It says, unless the seed dies and falls to the ground, it abides alone. So if the seed would die, spring up, bear much fruit. John 15, in this the Father's well pleased that you bear much fruit and that your fruit remain. Amen. And then he's going to trim you up and make you bear even more fruit. He is into fruit. <laughs> now, are these all scripture? Hey, see, I'm not the brightest man. I, I'm not. I know my hair's really white, but I'm not the brightest man. Watch. Politics is not the problem on the earth. It's not racial conflict. It's not ISIS. It's not who the president is. The problem on the earth is that every day, even Christians, every day wake up and live for themselves when in fact they're made for God's image. It's the biggest problem on the planet. Did you ever hear people say life is really a grind? Life is tough. Life is a bleep. Life is blank. You know why life feels that way to people? Because they're living it outside of why they're here. So there's no grace empowering their life to live. Because God won't fuel the tank to go down roads you're not created for. So you're on your own. And life's a grind. Life is a gift. Every day is a privilege. Mercy woke you up today to give you one more day to be more like him. Just one more day to show mercy and make peace and walk in love. Just one more day to live by the Spirit. Not to throw a tantrum, not to get caught in rightness, not to let the spirit of the world and the spirit of this age and the way that seemeth right now, your wisdom, to wake up in something new. Oh, the honor of waking up and walking in love. The honor of loving people the way he's loved me. Just think what we get tricked into. We want him to forgive us of everything we've ever done, and then we don't want to forgive everybody. Matthew 18 calls it an evil, wicked servant who wants to be forgiven of all the debt he owes and not forgive a brother his debt. He says that man's bound and in darkness. He says, be merciful, for I am merciful. Why do you think we've obtained mercy? Just to obtain mercy? Or to be so touched by the mercy that we become merciful? Do you think he forgave us just to walk around forgiven? Or so we're so touched by forgiveness that we become forgiveness? It's amazing how we have such a grid for unforgiveness. Well, brother, it takes time. Give me time. I'm trying to forgive. Why do we have such a grid for unforgiveness? Just because we lived in it our whole lives. Come on, you got new life through Jesus Christ. You put off the old. You put on the new. 
Don't call anything before him normal. Look, if I spend time with Jesus when you're not looking, and I thank him that my life is not my own and nobody owes me a thing, God, I thank you life is a gift and you live in me to shine. Father, I thank you for the honor of another day. This little window, a wisp and a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow. Man, going to live it for your glory. Empower me, Holy Spirit, and let this light so shine. I thank you, Father. Nobody owes me a thing. I'm going to walk in the light as you're in the light. I'm going to walk in love. Thank you for revelation, empowerment. You are so good to me. Wonder if I teach my heart those truths through prayer and grace illuminates me and makes those beliefs my reality. And all of a sudden, I'm not trying to be okay. All of a sudden, I'm not trying to get over what you said or didn't say. Because I didn't start the day with you owing me anything. Because love owes no man anything but to love. And it takes no account of the wrong done to it. And where sin abounds, grace comes even greater to swallow it up. And mercy triumphs over judgment. So where's rightness come into? And calling a friend, you can't believe what they did to me. Well, you should be hurt. I am hurt. Well, I can't believe it. Well, that's pray, brother. <laughs> like you got your own special dibs on God. Now you're in the pray. <laughs> so hurt, he'd be saying in a conversation. If you were really listening and not just so hurt, he'd be saying, get a grip. <laughs> First Timothy 1.5, you know what it says? It says the goal of our instruction is love. Some translations say the purpose of the commandment is love. So the whole reason for everything is that we get restored back to being loved. Not being loved being loved. I'm going to make a bold statement here. I don't have much time with you all tonight and tomorrow morning I'll be at the regular service, but tonight really I got, I got my best shot at you guys. I'm so glad you all came. I do. I got one crack at you guys, man. So I'm like, bruh, bruh, bruh. I got my seed bag. I'm just, you see, I'm just throwing like crazy. I'm just scattering as fast as I can. I'm just going to preach the whole, I'm going to preach everything Jesus taught me like in an hour and a half. You say, I can't remember it all. You don't have to. Don't even try. It's going in your heart, and something will stick out to you. That's why sometimes you just boop, 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 Because you got a whole room full of people. And some people are really getting nailed in this, and some people are getting encouraged, and some people are getting convicted. And that's why it's just like boom, bam, pow, boom. And whatever got your heart and really gets you soon, about four things. Well, then God is fathering you in four things. And those things you won't forget. The things you have to try to remember, you probably weren't being ministered to directly in this moment on those things. But the thing that stood out to you is where he's fathering. And you just trust the Holy Spirit will bring it all to your remembrance as you need it. Yeah? But I know this. If he paid to put his life in me, I want to live that life. I want to live what grace paid for. Yeah? There's a grace through this price that comes to empower me. I want that. People say, well, we talk about living by faith, not living by feelings, you know, preachers talking. People say, but brother, I get confused because God gave us emotions. He did not give you the emotions you grew up with. Let's just settle this. Adam gave you those emotions. And they all come out of a self-centered wellspring. 
Like the littlest one in here tonight. Nobody has to teach the littlest one in here how to be angry. You do not have to go to class. <laughs> and you're telling me God made that? He tells you to put off anger? You yourselves put off anger? And you're going to say he made us that way and he's telling us to put it off? The reason he's saying put it off is because it was never you in the first place. It was only when self-centeredness came on the scene that you could deny yourself and have... Christians are supposed to deny themselves. How do you deny yourself and have so many rights? You only, in, you only inherit rights when you live for yourself. Do you know how many of those cultural wisdom of the world, way that seems right to man, lines that they crossed in Jesus' life? Do you know how bad he was treated for how good he was? Jesus was the best of the best. And there ain't nobody going to be as best as he was. And they treated him like he was flat out wrong, worthy of death. And he didn't let how they treated him change who he was. Because who he is is in the Father. So he didn't come to be loved by men or he'd be sorely disappointed. He came to love men. And you can't disappoint that. That's how he can hang on the cross and say, forgive them. They don't know what they do instead of, what a bunch of idiots. <laughs> how many sick do I have to heal and dead do I have to raise? God, are you kidding me? Look what they've done to me. If these guys didn't get it by now, they probably ain't going to get it. Anybody see that chapter in your Bible? Anybody see Jesus getting analytical and rationalizing and reasoning? Dropping the cross halfway to Golgotha. I'm done. I ain't taking another step. If they hit me with one more club, I'll tell you. I'm so, oh, it, it, it just, it shook me up. Lord, I'm sorry. I wanted to go the whole way. I can't take it no more. That whole pilot thing just shook me to the core. I mean, Barabbas. I mean, it's enough. It's enough. I've done nothing but good. Search my heart. I've done nothing but good. All my good, they're calling bad. All my good, they're saying is evil. I'm their friend. They're saying I'm their enemy. That's hard enough. But I'll tell you, for them to release Barabbas, he kills a man. I raise the dead. He causes conspiracy. I'm trying to make peace. And they want to kill me and let him go. I've had it. I ain't doing it. That ain't Jesus, is it? He had the right. Who said that? Okay. He had the right. Watch. Because you're not wrong. He had the right as far as men are concerned. Well, watch. Which I'm not saying what he said was wrong. Watch. But he came to bring a new way. That's right. He came to bring a new way. So watch. Jesus proved he loved. Doesn't have that right. Who ever heard a preacher say Jesus proved he loved us by not coming off the cross? He had no option to come off the cross because love never fails. It's not even an option to come off the cross. Do you get it? Here's what proves love. Not that Jesus didn't come down on the cross. That he never let men change him. People say, 
You say, how come Jesus could, could walk like that? People say, because he was Jesus. And they make him a special man and miss the whole point. It's because he was love. Love is what makes him a special man. You know what's so incredible about God? Not that he's just omnipotent and all-knowing and all-powerful. It'd be one thing to be all-powerful, but God is all-powerful. Who knows that to be true? But he's love. Like, he's all-powerful and he's not on a power trip. He's not out to rule the world. He's love. God is love. When you define God through the word, the primary way he's defined is love. It's not power. It's not just majesty, glory, wisdom. He's love. So we became in need of love. We were all born in that emotion thing. Please challenge that in your life. The emotions you grew up with are not the emotions God gave you from the beginning. They, all those emotions. You take a binky out of a little baby's mouth that ain't done work in that thing. Yeah? They get a little older. You try to take your sippy cup at bedtime. You got to hide that thing in the cupboard and flat out lie to your kids and tell them you lost the sippy cup. And they'd be, they'd be crying in bed. I want my sippy cup. I want my sippy cup. They get up in the morning. I want my sippy cup. Devastated. Life hardly worth going on without that sippy cup. You get two little toddlers, man. They're, they're mamas. No joke. Their mamas are sitting at the table drinking tea with their Bibles open, weeping. Jesus, oh, he's so good. <laughs> they got their little worship playing. They love the Lord. They're just sitting there having their little time. Their two children are right here playing. These are precious, gracious ladies. They don't even raise their voices. they like, Jesus, talking. I ain't making fun of them. I'm telling you, there's ladies like that. I've met them. And their little kids don't see no ah, ah, ah. I bet mothers, they like, they discipline nice. They're like, honey, if you do that one more time. (laughs) I promise you, you will never again in your life. And they do it with a smile. Because <laughs> I love you, baby. <laughs> they're sitting there playing with the toys. Did you ever see this in kids? They're sitting there and they're playing with this crazy cool toy. But the only reason the other one's okay is because they got a crazy cool toy. And so they just, and they're just little, just little toddlers. They're just barely learning to even crawl and stuff. And they're just getting up to stand on things and just barely walking. And, and they're playing. And all of a sudden, there's this little plastic toy that's bland and boring, and nobody even looked at it. They're both playing with their toys. And all of a sudden, one of them reaches down and picks up that toy. Did you ever see this? What's the other one do? Now, children, praise the Lord, children. And they're like, ah, and the one gets the upper hand and pulls it, poof, right over the head. We are so used to that, we just think that's normal. Do you think God made that? Adam made that. 
And as precious as they are, they're going to need born again. So rather than get frustrated with them and try to whip sense into them while you all the while frustrated whipping, why don't you just be more like Jesus? Why don't you walk in a solid love that doesn't empower and enable sin, but address it and teach them that you're disciplining them for their sake and at a young age, they realize you really love them and you walk different and all of a sudden you're tucking them into bed and they say, Mommy, I want to be like you someday. What do you mean, honey? Well, you're just different. Well, that would sure be panicking. That would sure be frustration. And all of a sudden, what do you mean different? Well, and they share from their view and then you explain it's Jesus. How can I know Jesus like you, Mommy? And all of a sudden, you're just sitting there weeping and praying. And yeah? yeah? See, how, how are they going to be hungry for what you're saying if they can't see what you're saying in your life? Because then, I hope you got a doctrine they're supposed to follow instead of a life they're called to live. I hope you got that. Don't tell me we can't change. So this is why Jesus came. I'm convinced. This is why it makes the gospel so exciting to my heart. It's like, I get it now. Ah, I'm 24 years in and I'm a madman. I'm like, yeah. I think I'm getting worse. Because I get to know him a little more. So I think I'm worse than I was. So I realized that I deny myself. Now I'm going to pick up my cross. What's pick up my cross? I'm never going to let sin against me have the right to produce sin in me. I'm going to overcome evil with good. I ain't going to let my life, my circumstances, injustice, wrongdoing, I'm going to let none of that stuff decide who I am because he already settled it. And I'm going to live from that place and address all this from that place. I'm going to carry my cross like he carried his. There was times he was just flat out treated wrong. Times you'll be treated wrong. You got to make sure when you're treated wrong, you don't live like you were treated wrong. You got to make sure when you're betrayed, you don't live like you were betrayed. That's called carry your cross. Instead of call a friend that understands your pain, becomes your instant support system. They're just so sensitive. They care so much. They're really good listeners. <laughs> and they pray for me at the end. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I'm in trouble. <laughs> we do that. So, I just can't believe they did that. You must be so hurt. <laughs> oh, let's just, Lord Jesus, come bring comfort. The only thing that's going to bring comfort is a change in your perspective. Because if you're really listening to Jesus, he's going to wonder why you're letting that one person just devastate you so much to where you can hardly even function and move forward. See, this gospel isn't about you trying to be okay. It's about you becoming different. <laughs> On the night that Jesus was betrayed... He called Peter and cried on his shoulder and said, I can't believe nobody loves me. <laughs> Minister three years and get struck and they all scatter. They say they'll die for me and they're all going to run anyway. What's the use? 
Come on, on the night he was betrayed. He wasn't living betrayed. He took bread and he broke it. He was betrayed. Took a cup and he passed it. My body and my... On the night he was betrayed. He didn't call a friend crying betrayed. He laid down his life. And that same Jesus didn't say, sing to me and pray to me when you're overwhelmed. He said, follow me. This is a Christian. All I'm preaching to you is Christianity. We just haven't been teaching it like we could. We've been making it more beneficial. We've been seeking the Lord for blessing and don't even know how to love our neighbor. We've been seeking the Lord for blessing. We're mad at our boss praying for a new job, wondering why we ain't getting a new job. Because God will ball and chain you to the old one until you learn to love your boss. Because if you get a new one, you'll just be mad at somebody on the new one. Come on. If God was mad at you, he wouldn't have sent his son. I'm not being mean. I'm being real. This is sobering. This is real. If God was mad at us, he ain't sending his son. If he was busy being right, we're wrong. But he's righteous. There's a difference between right and righteous. Right makes wrong. Righteous makes wrong things right. So what righteousness is saying is, here's Jesus on the cross. I know who you are. I've known you from the beginning. I created you for my image and my glory. You're a lot more than you understand. I know who you are. Forgive them, Father. They don't have a clue. But I know you. You're worth my blood. You're worth this sacrifice. If I die and get lifted up, I can put my life back inside of you. We can be one again. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. You will be the body of Christ. That's a different message than, I hope you're happy now and look what your sin did to me. I hope you're sorry now. That's how people preach the cross. The only way I ever heard the cross preached growing up, it was all about my sin. Nobody ever one time talked about my restored value, purpose, and potential. That nobody pays a high price for something they believe is nothing. He believes the price he paid is well worth the purchase possession. That isn't to exalt me. That doesn't lift me up. That just says I have potential by the spirit of the living God inside of me. Come on, you don't go buy a car and write the check for 15 grand if you think it's only worth 12. In fact, if you think it's only worth 12, guess what you offer? 10 is this. When you... <laughs> Come on. But the bottom line is this. When you write the check, what do you believe? The car I'm getting in exchange for what I paid is well worth the price I paid or I'd be looking for another car. Mm. But he shed his blood for you. What's he saying? The purchase possession that I'm paying for is well worth the price I'm paying because I know it's potential, I know it's created value, and I know what it'll look like when I'm inside and they're surrendered. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody ever taught me the gospel that way. Not one preacher in my life ever said Jesus died to restore my value. They always said he died because I was a sinner. No, he had to die because I sinned. 
but he didn't die because I was a sinner. He died because I was a lost son. He died to restore what he created me to be. He's the redeemer. The word redeemed means brought back to original value. He paid a price to bring me back to the beginning apart from sin so I can live in God. Yeah? Come on. We sing, my redeemer lives. Well, what are you redeemed from? What are we talking about? We call him our redeemer. It means brought back, brought back to original value. So if you can't find it in him, why would you want it in you? Yeah? Oh, this stuff excites me. I want you to look at something real quick. We'll do this. We'll have time for this, and then I'll be done with you. I won't keep you forever. I already know this ain't like the church of the brethren I grew up with, so. so I stretch you a little bit. We'd have been out by now. For sure. 40 minutes ago. I went into church one day. They said, now listen. She said, the lady that was administrating the whole weekend, she said, now you got to understand our people, all they know is an hour in, hour out. I mean, an hour in and, and after an hour, they're out. So the, they're out on the minute, an hour. Boom. And she said, so if they get up and you're still talking, don't take that personal. I said, honey, I don't take anything personal. I said, if they get up, I just ain't preaching good enough. I'm just going to keep on preaching it good. And I said, I ain't worried about it. She said, I said, because I don't think I'm going to stop. If we're doing a little couple songs, and you're going to hear me, I don't think I'm going to stop in no 40 minutes. I just don't think I'm going to. I mean, I didn't have no faith for that. But she said they were groomed for that. They said an hour and boom, gone. I didn't see nobody leaving. Preaching and preaching. I didn't go crazy long. I probably preached an hour 40. <laughs> but we blew that thing up all weekend, you know. So, you know, that's how I think, honestly. It's not that we have to stay here all night. Sunday morning, I'm real good, Pastor, just so you know. Sunday morning, I'm so behaved. You got children's church, you got workers, servants. We're not here. The longer we stay doesn't mark us more spiritual. We come to stir ourselves in love and good works, and we leave looking a little more like Him, hopefully, than when we came. Then we accomplished why we came. Or you get religious and you say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I go over there to White Hill. No, Christianity is Christ-likeness, not church attendance. The reason you attend church is to stay stirred and focused, encouraged and be encouraged, edified. You don't go to church to be loved. That's how you get let down. You go to church to love. Did you ever hear people say, well, I went over to that church. It wasn't too loving. I ain't going back there. Well, it should have been loving you were there. <laughs> See how we think? It's always what we can get from something instead of what we can become in something. It's amazing how that thing got twisted up on us. John chapter 20. Y'all good? I want you to see this real quick, and then, then uh, we'll, just, we'll just do a little praying, and we'll be done. We won't get crazy late. I love this chapter. I, I want you to understand this, that Jesus, what did John the Baptist say? Behold the Lamb of God, who what? Who taketh away the... What did he do? Okay, so if he took it away, now what? So do I, do I still identify as a sinner? Do I stay a sinner? Is it a sinner with my sin taken away? Is it... See, if he took it away, now what? Here's what I believe. Time to become a son. Yeah. 
He wrote to the saints of Ephesus. That's not arrogance, guys. You say, well, you should make yourself more highly. I'm not. I'm telling you what the Word says. He didn't write to the sinners of Ephesus. He didn't write to those who are about to miss it any minute and be glad they can plead the blood. <laughs> See, when you obey something, you become that one slave, Romans 6. So if you would obey a sin, conscious sin awareness, and you boast in your ability to sin and call that humility, your life would be riddled with actions of sin. Romans 6 says if you wake up and present yourself as members unto righteousness, you actually believe the blood. You actually believe you're clean. You actually believe that God loves you and doesn't see you for failure or weakness, but the weak have said I'm strong because of him, right? All of a sudden he empowers you and it says that one you'll be a slave to obey. Righteousness leading to holiness without you biting your lip trying to be holy. Why? Because you begin to live what you believe, what you see. The eye is the lamp of righteousness. You see the righteous judgment of God, your life starts being lived in righteousness. And then we in false humility say, well, yeah, but brother, nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to sin. What are you saying? You're perfect? And our whole focus is on sin and never on righteousness. And when you talk about righteousness, people challenge you with our ability to sin constantly and never hear the preaching of righteousness. Why? Because righteousness will produce fruit to holiness. If I start where he finished, I'll run well. Watch what Romans 6 says. It says, reckon yourselves indeed dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ. How can I reckon myself dead to sin and keep boasting in my ability to live in it and call it humility? That's deception. Listen to 1 Peter 2. He bore your sin and my sin in his body on a tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness and by his stripes were healed. There's another verse where you die to sin, live for the payday, righteous judgment. He rules his kingdom, Hebrews 1, with the scepter of righteousness. Ain't that amazing? He rules his kingdom with a scepter of righteousness. So we probably better live in righteousness. The Lamb of God who... People quote 1 John chapter 1 out of context all the time. They say, well, brother, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth's not in you. That's in 1 John chapter 1. And it is there. But they quote the one line and don't read it where it's written. Yeah? It says, if you walk in the light as he's in the light, you have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all sin. If you say you have no sin, what's he saying? If you have no need for the blood. If you have no need for the blood, what sin? What's this about sin? I do good things. I rake my neighbor's leaves. I took a pie over to Nancy last week. I do nice things. I don't get mad at people. What he's saying is, you don't need the blood. He says, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth's not in you. But if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you. So in the prior verse, you were forgiven of all sin. Two verses later, if you say you have no sin, well, then you don't step into this thing of grace and righteousness. The next verse says you're forgiven of all sin and you're cleansed of all unrighteousness. So in three verses, I've been forgiven of all sin, forgiven of all sin, and cleansed of all unrighteousness. That sounds pretty clean. Say we have.
The next verse clarifies the one everybody quotes. If we say we have not sinned, meaning I don't need the blood, I'm righteous in my own right. Don't need the sacrifice of Jesus. If we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and make him a liar. Watch the next verse. Little children, I write these things so you may not sin. What's he saying? I am preaching a righteous truth to you so that grace that he paid for has the biggest effect possible in your life and you walk as free as I paid for. Don't you decide what that looks like. Let him. Don't follow ourselves. Follow him. You see? He says, little children, I'll write these things to you so you may not sin. He doesn't say, but when you do. He says, but if you do. He didn't say when. He said if. It's important. But if you do, know this. You have Jesus, the righteous. And his merciful plea is a propitiation before you. And he will forgive you of all sin. Watch. And not only your sin, but the sin of the whole world. What's he saying? The plea of Jesus at the right hand of the Father with his blood on the mercy seat is available to forgive all the world of all their sin. All he's waiting on is a turn of heart. It's called repentance. Now, some people take that verse and preach everybody's saved and everybody's fine and the blood's got everybody covered. No. You have to repent for the kingdom of God is here. You change the way you think. You've got to die to yourself, live for his kingdom. Spirit of God comes into you. You get it? The blood is speaking better things. The blood is waiting. Yeah? It's amazing. So... Wouldn't it be amazing to wake up every day like this? Watch. Father, I just thank you for life in you. I so appreciate that you love me, that you forgave me, that you see me, and you're not disappointed that today you're empowering me to shine, to walk in love, and to live by the Spirit like more than ever before. Man, I used to complain about my job, and now I see it's a mission field. It's a joy. It's a vehicle to bring in finances, but it's also an avenue to love people with the life that you've given me. God, I thank you. You've taken complaining out of my life. You've blessed me with a family. God, I just want to walk in the Spirit, and I want to walk in love. Man, you just start talking and praying. That sure beats, oh boy, six o'clock, another day of work. God, if you don't give me grace, I'll never make it through. (laughs) And then you call that prayer. It's just self-conscious that'll be empowered and you're trying to catch a break to get through instead of being empowered to make a difference. One is a survival kit and one is leaving a legacy. Are you all with me? Okay. I want you to see this. I'll just speed it up because I do eat time. John 20, the end of the chapter, like verse 15. Uh, you, you get the story here in John 20. Jesus just rose from the dead. So they, they, Mary goes to the tomb and the stone's not over the tomb. It's rolled away. Oh, he's going. She runs, tells Peter and, and John, Peter, or the guys, and Peter and John take off running. They go in, he's gone. He's not there. And they're like, whoa. So Mary's standing there and she's just a sobbing and a weeping. You gotta just love Mary. Like, like she's this little lady probably, right? 
They got this big stone over the tomb. She knows he's dead. She watched him. She, you, they probably, I know this is speculation, but in my mind, they probably had to drag her out that day when they wrapped him and stuff, and he's in the tomb, and, and they were going to close it. They probably had to drag her out of there. She Because ah! she just wants to lay there with him. She just wants to be there. She's there. She'll, she just closed the stone. Let me hear. Why? Best thing that ever happened to her. And he's in there. And he's the Lord. So now she takes these anointing oils and spices or whatever, and she's going to the tomb. Well, she can't get in. What's she going to do? She's probably just going to lay against the rock, cry and smear it on the rock. I don't know what she's going to do. <laughs> she's out of luck with the guys. They ain't coming with her. They're scared to death. You know, could you imagine that conversation? Mary, why are you even going to the tomb? He's dead. You can't even get in the rock anyway. Well, if you men would come and help, maybe. I could. <laughs> we ain't going out there. They're going to do to us what they did to him. Are you kidding? Yeah, but you said you'd die for him. You think Jesus didn't hear him say that? You think Jesus is offended? You think Jesus is like, you bunch of chicken-hearted? So she's weeping. She sees this man. She thinks he's the gardener, right? He says, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? This is verse 15. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you'd carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And this is so personal and intimate. Now watch, this is not a Bible story. Don't read this stuff like it's a history book. This happened to a woman named Mary who walked with Jesus, who was delivered because of Jesus and who loved him with her life. And she is sure he's dead. Head to toe, them beat him beyond description. She watched them wrap him head to toe and put him in that grave. He is dead. And now he looks at her and says, Mary. And her eyes open and she goes, could you imagine that moment? Rapone. And all of a sudden he's in front of her and he's alive. Could you imagine that in Mary? Like, What's the next thing that comes out of Jesus? Do not cling to me. Why? What'd she do? What was Mary doing? Rapone. She's coming, man. She's probably 20 feet towards him in the air. Don't cling to me. Ah! Here's what I do know. She's coming hard. And he's not unsocial. He's not unsocial. He loves Mary. But this is why he came. This moment that he's on right now is why he came. He said, don't cling to me. I haven't yet ascended to the Father. What's he saying? I got to go to the Father and I got to take my blood in Hebrews 9, this thing. I got to go put my blood on the mercy seat and make peace between God and man forever and abolish sin and its power. Don't cling to me, Mary. I love to chat, love to hang, love to tell you all about it. But I got to go to the Father. Now watch. Is this in your Bible? Don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to my father. I've heard a preacher one time preach that he couldn't let her touch him because he would have been defiled going into the holy place. And I'm thinking the day you touch Jesus and get to, and defile him, you might, we would pack our bags and just go home. Just You ain't going to touch Jesus and defile him. What he's saying is, I got to get this done. I got to go get this done. This is why I was slain before the foundation world, this moment right here.
It's not just dying on a cross, people. If this moment doesn't happen, he has to take his own blood, not the blood of bulls and goats, his own blood, according to the order of Melchizedek, as a high priest between God and men. Yeah? And he's got to walk into heaven and put a man's blood, not God's blood, a man's blood on the mercy seat and plead mercy upon mankind. It's so powerful. He says, don't you cling to me. I haven't yet ascended to my father. But you co-tell my chicken-hearted, two-faced, scared, silly, no good for nothing. Man, that ain't what he said at all, huh? There's his shoes on that day. Come on. You put, you put the average pastor heart in Jesus' shoes on that day. And he needs a sabbatical. He's hurt. He don't know if he can ever even get in the saddle again because you can't trust people and you lay down your life and pour yourself out so thin and people don't appreciate it and they always find something to be mad at anyway. And pastoring would be awesome if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> but that wasn't Jesus, was it? He said, go tell my brother. It's covenant term. What's he saying? We're family. You're my boys. Go tell my brethren. What's he saying? I haven't changed my mind about you one bit. They've done nothing right, man. You read the book, right? They ain't done nothing right. He said they were all going to scatter when he was struck, and they said, yeah, we ain't scattered. And they all whispered to him, we're going to die for him. I'll die for him, too. There he is. They probably did the first fist bump in history, and it just <laughs> slipped away somewhere, but... Because that was fist bump moment, man. I'll die for him. Yeah, I'll die for him too, man. What happened as soon as he got the chance to die for him? One disciple ran so hard to get away, ran so hard, he ran out of his clothing. Now, I'm not the brightest man that ever lived, but when you run out of your clothes, you're trying to get away? You're probably not trying to die. The dude was just streaking through the olive trees. There goes a scared for his own life man. Yeah, disciple. You know what disciple means? Wholehearted follower, disciplined learner. He said, go make disciples of all nations. Not confessing Christians that prayed the prayer. Wholehearted follower, disciplined learner. People that won't run out of their clothes. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Go tell my brethren and say to them, oh, this is sweet. I'm ascending to my father, uh-oh, and your father. Oh, see, because the word father there, look it up. You know what it means? To come forth from. He said, I'm going to the one I came forth from. I'm going to the one you all came forth from. That makes us family. Yeah? And I'm going to my God and you know what the word God means there? Source of life. I'm coming. I'm going to the one I came forth from who is the source of my life. You ever hear somebody call God Father God when they're praying? It's a syndrome nowadays. And there's Father God, I just thank you, Father God. And Father God, I just praise you, Father God. <laughs> yes, Father God. Yeah, I just thank you, Father God. <laughs> you ever hear like 14 Father Gods? If we're going to pray Father God that much, I know it sounds like I'm making fun of folks. I've just noticed we do a lot of Father God. 
So if we're going to Father God, we probably ought to know what Father God means. Every time you call him Father God, know this, in the morning, you wake up, good morning, Father God. You're saying, I came forth from the source of life. I came forth from the source of life. My life is his will. There's a time to be born, and here I stand. I've been born for a time like this. Yeah? Father God. So I'm going to my God and your God. Okay, so Mary Magdalene, she came and she told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. I bet that that went over really well. Read the other Gospels, you'll find that it didn't. And that he spoke these things to her. Oh, here we go, verse 19. Same day, same day, at evening. Okay, so if he said, I'm, I'm going to my father... Did he go to the Father? Or was he just kind of like just talking? Did he go to the Father? You say, how do you know? You'll know if you're perceptive. If you just read, you'll know. I know one thing. He was on the road to Emmaus with two other disciples that day. And about supper time, they broke bread and their eyes opened and he vanished. And they went, oh, it was the Lord. Didn't their hearts burn? We should have known. That was the Lord. He had a busy day that day. <laughs> Raised from the dead. Froze Mary in midair. Just having fun. <laughs> Spoke to the disciples through Mary, or to Mary for the disciples, and went to the Father, had a walk on a, the road to Emmaus with the two guys, and then, boom, he's somewhere along the way. Did he go to the Father? He had to. He said he would, but here's how you know he did. Watch. Same day in the evening, having the first day of the week, when the doors were shut for the disciples were assembled, having fervent intercession and prayer, laying down their lives for the kingdom. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, the doors were shut for they were assembled for fear of the Jews. Okay, afraid to die. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, you guys are pitiful. (laughs) Must have been the devil when I heard your names on the beaches. That wasn't the Lord. What's the first thing out of his mouth? Why? Why? Romans 5.1, he just made peace with God through his blood. You now have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You're justified by faith. He went and put his blood on the mercy seat, shot down to earth, walked into them boys that were doing nothing right. They were in the middle of fear, loving their own lives and not doing one thing that he asked them to do. And right in the middle of them messing up big, he said, peace be unto you. That's why I love him so. He's not just my savior that forgives my sin. He's my model for life. He told me to follow him, sir. I'm going after this thing. Ain't nobody going to tell me I can't because Holy Spirit will tell them they're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. So watch this. Peace be to you. Why? His blood is now in the mercy seat and his blood is speaking Watch, watch. When he had said this, he showed his hands, he showed his side. The disciples were like, ah, it's really the Lord. So they were glad. They were like, ding, ding, ding. It's the Lord. Right? Now, what do you think happened the minute they realized it was the Lord? That instant excitement. But what do you think was right on the heels of that instant excitement? What a bunch of losers. We ain't got nothing right. Sat right there at that table, passed that cup and bread, and said, we die for him, and we ain't done nothing like it. Don't think their first conscious awareness wasn't, oh, bummer. 
I mean, Peter threw a net and got all these big fish and fell on his knees and said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. He got blessed and caught a bunch of fish and was aware of his sin. What do you think was going on now? Wow, Jesus is so amazing. Watch, peace to you. He showed them his hands aside, and they were glad to saw the Lord. So Jesus said again, right on the heels of them, being glad it was the Lord. As soon as they realized it was the Lord, what's the next thing out of Jesus' mouth? Peace to you. Was it the same peace? He already said peace. Why is he being so redundant? It's a different peace. The first peace is peace through my blood. You have peace with God through my blood. The second peace is, hey, I know what you're feeling right now, but I don't see you for that. I see you for much more. I'd have never died. Peace to you. We're good. It's all good. You get it? Oh, he's so amazing. Please let him love you like that. Please don't be hard on yourself. Please don't be critical and fault-finding and dummy and stupid. And I hope God forgives me. Stop. He already shed his blood. He already died and rose. Stop being hard on yourself when he's trying to show you mercy and raise you up out of that thing. See, because the way you love your neighbor is the way you love yourself, is the way you love your neighbor. You love your neighbor as your... So wonder if the enemy wants to keep you in a bad view of you so you never get a good view of others. Come on, if you're nitpicky with yourself, all you see with others is what could change about them, what's wrong. Come on. All of a sudden, you're not the only egg in the basket and you feel a little better even though you feel bad. Come on. You love your neighbor as your... So wonder if you get a real clear, healthy view of yourself and now you got the best look at your neighbor you've ever had. Yeah? Ugh. Okay, peace to you. It's a different peace. He's relieving him of that shame that's trying to cloud him. He's getting that condemnation off of him. He's saying, look, I called you brother and I love you. I haven't changed my mind about you. Now watch. Here they are getting nothing right. They haven't done one thing right. Who would agree? Okay, and he said, peace to you. And look what comes out of his mouth after the second peace to you while they're standing there tempted to feel ashamed. Guess what comes out of his mouth? You find me a limit for this. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. He didn't say, you boys are going to need a lot more work, man. We got a nine-month program. It's going to be intense. And I sure hope you get through it because if I have to back up and get another 12, we're going to be in trouble. As the Father sent me, so I send you. We always think power and miracles. But how did God send the Son? For God so I promise you, these guys are getting such a face-to-face revelation of love. When Jesus is standing there and nothing but love is pouring out of him towards them when they've done nothing right. He didn't change his mind about them. Same potential, same destiny. And no, I heard their names right. When I called you, James, and John out of your father's boat, I knew what I was doing because I see who you're becoming. And I ain't second guessing, so don't you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Isn't that so cool? Now watch this. Now watch this. And when he said this, guess what he did? He breathed on them and said, receive Holy Spirit. Why? Because his blood shed now. Curtain was torn from top to bottom. God didn't have to come in a cloud anymore. 
He's going to come right in. Why didn't Jesus just get charismatic? Why didn't he get a little Pentecostal? Why didn't he say, Philip, can you help me? Fill, 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 and do a little fire line. <laughs> Why did Jesus breathe on them and say, receive the Holy Spirit? He's the redemption of man. He brings man back to original value. How did God make man in the garden? And man became, uh, the day you eat the tree is the day you surely, what Christ that speaks best in, everything in that breath. What was restored through the blood of Jesus Christ that speaks better things. He took man back to day one right there. Said, my blood is now speaking better things. God's going to see this thing as if sin never happened. I'm going to bring you back before sin as if the tree never happened. The tree's still there. The snake's still whispering. Follow me. <laughs> I'm staying calm. I'm good. Don't get nervous. I ain't doing it. I'm going to do nothing flaky. I'm in a brethren church. I'm good. I'm good. You all right? Don't, don't get freaked out by that. I just, I wasn't, I wasn't, no. He breathed on them. Said, receive Holy Spirit. What did he do? He took them back to Genesis 1. As if sin, because the power of the blood, the law of the spirit of life through Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sin shall have no dominion over you. You get it? Now here's a clincher. Here's a clincher. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Remember, as the Father sent me, so... Actually, actually, listen to that. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Does that sound the same as? Okay, Genesis 1. Let us make man... In our image. So in the image of God he made man, both male and female, in his likeness. Watch. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Let us make man in our image, in our own likeness. Do you see that John 20 is Genesis 1? Through the blood? Nothing's changed. Sin has been crushed. It's under our feet. He's the Lamb of God. He takes it away. He wants you and me to wake up in joy unspeakable, good tidings, great joy, which will be to all people. You can't let life speak louder than truth. Yeah? And all of a sudden, you've got to wake up with an unveiled face and be clean and be free. And if you live from the place where he finished, if you start where he finished, you'll run well. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins shall be forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, their sins shall be Okay, so now back up. Whoa, wait. I don't get it now. Because now it sounds like we have permission to retain sins. And I can't find any place in the Bible where you should retain sins or see a book by the cover. You're supposed to judge them. Do you? Do you see any place in Scripture where you're supposed to judge a man by his cover? Do you see any permission for unforgiveness in the Bible? So what's he saying? As the Father sent me, so I send you. Day one. Watch. Let me paraphrase what he's saying. If you love them the way I've just loved you, they'll know the way to my love. But if you let your hearts get hard, if you let 
yourself get deceived, if you take account of suffered wrongs, if you turn inward and start living for yourself, even in my name, and don't forgive people, how will they know the way to forgiveness if you're the body of Christ? If you just get theological, if you just get doctrinally driven, if you fail to forgive men and love them like I've loved you, how will they know the way to me when you represent me? This Christian thing is a big deal. It is not a prayer that takes you to heaven when you die. It's the definition of your now life that writes a legacy, legacy that will speak for all eternity and bring glory to his name. <laughs> What's your name again? Could you imagine God in that day slipping his big old hand under Sean's feet? Multitudes and myriads of people and angels. And he lifts up Sean and he says, it's my boy, Sean. And heaven's just, yeah, Jesus. And he starts talking about Sean and Sean had the option, and at a young age, he could have. And even when he was in midlife, he, but Sean kept his faith in me and kept his eyes on me and trusted me. And not only let me love him, but he began to love others and invested into men. And many of you, and all of a sudden, ah, they're cheering, are here because, and then heaven is just going ballistic, and we're all on our faces worshiping Jesus for the gift of life. Yeah, that sure beats being discouraged, depressed, growing weary and well-doing and getting mad at folks. What would you rather have? Hey, this is Sean. Uh, I mean, he went to church and he spoke a good speak. He talked a good talk, but the truth is his heart's kind of hard and he's got a lot of issues with people. And <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, technically he's right and he's got, he's got a beef where the world's concerned, but you're in the world, not of the world. You're supposed to let your light so shine. Sean, what were you thinking, bud? No. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather have, this is my son, Sean. He could have been discouraged if he chose to, but he kept his eyes on me. When this happened, it heaven's going this traumatic. When he got the phone call, he wasn't expecting it. And all of a sudden, heaven's going crazy, man. And we're all worshiping Jesus because we can live in the honor of faith and not love our own lives unto death and overcome. Yeah? That's a Christian. All I did tonight was come and preach what Christianity is. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be bold, Pastor Dave, in your house. I don't believe anything less is Christianity. I think it's just a version. I gave you so much scripture. I compared everything I spoke of scripture to Jesus' life. I gave practical example after practical example of attitudes we've all lived in or are familiar with and how we can't possibly find them in Jesus even though he had an extreme right to be in them if he chose to be. But he doesn't live from the world even though he was in the world because he lived from the Father. Yeah? That's what we're called to, people. So in closing in this thing, I just want you to understand we can live this life. It's more than possible by the grace of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. If God can change your perspective, he can change your whole life. But you got to be willing in a room this size, not a lot of people, but a lot of people when you weigh and measure according to the kingdom and multiplication. Not a lot of people, but a lot of people. I've learned in a room this size, there's always people that don't want to become love. They want to go to heaven. They want blessings. They want favor. 
They want benefit, but they don't want to become loved. They have lines and chips on their shoulder, unspoken lines, undetected that people can cross. The only way you can become love is you have to want to be. You have to be willing to give back what you never were in the first place so you can step into what he intended from the beginning. People say, well, it's hard. Why is it so hard to give back what you never were created to be? Give back the lie so you can get the truth. You say, well, you don't know what it's like living with my spouse. I hope they're listening right now. <laughs> now, don't elbow your spouse, because if you do, I'm really talking to you. <laughs> but you're sitting there, and your mind goes, man, you don't have to live with my spouse, brother. Well, see, here's the deal. It's the truth. It's just the truth. It takes two to tango. It takes one to pursue peace. And I found this amazing scripture in my Bible in Matthew 5. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not the issue or any. Not the sharp-tongued comebackers. <laughs> Blessed are the... For they are the sons of God. See, sonship isn't a confession, it's an expression. Peacemaker is a son of God. Yeah? Can we just pray? Father, I just ask for grace in this house tonight. I just pray that everyone here would just receive grace and an impartation of this truth in a way that's pertinent to their right now life. That not one person would try to just retain all that was said, but that you would speak personally to each and every one based on right where they're at and where you're growing them. That everyone would be encouraged and inspired. That there'd be a clear light on the trail of everyone's life that we're pursuing and pressing into you. I pray that truth would be crystal clear in the heart of every person. Father, if there's animosity, if there's unforgiveness, if there's hurt and brokenness in this room, I pray that it would be so challenged right now, so challenged by this word, by this truth, that Holy Spirit, you would come and just change their eye. Even though nothing changes about the story, just change their eye. And Lord, let them see it and not have the same response. That would just be so amazing, Lord. Yep, just the power of a single eye. Let it come in this room, Lord. And people that said, I just can't get over it, let them be over it right now because they're willing to become loved. I'm telling you, if you're willing to become loved, just in your heart, whisper, yes, God. Search me, make me whatever it is you want to make me, but let me look more like you. God, and if any way, I'm in the way, show me, teach me, correct me, because I know you love me, but I want to become what you paid for. I'm telling you, you pray right now like that to God in your heart, that's a big deal. I want to become what you paid for. And I want you to start right here as we're praying. Just start right here that tonight when you go home and tomorrow when you wake up, there's a new, fresh motive in your heart that no one owes me a thing. No one owes me a thing because I owe no man anything but to love. I'm putting aside disappointment, let down, hurt. I'm done with contentions. I'm going to walk in love and be a son. Father, I thank you for the grace in this room. I thank you that you're doing it. You're good. Heal marriages, restore marriages. God, let each relationship be empowered because of tonight. And if a heart was slipping away from love, let it be absolutely back in line. 
Let there be a humility and a repentance found in this room tonight. Let it bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 Now it's five and nine. I was going to do something else real quick. I'm going to do it a little different than I usually do it because it takes long, but I'm going to do it a little different uh, with me. I'm not going to take long with it, but it, it won't be ineffective. It'll be fun, and I want you to participate with me. Uh, if I do it the way I normally do it, I just don't feel like I need to. I feel like I think we need to do this. Yeah, I'm just listening. Okay. If you have sickness in your body in any way and you come here tonight and you say, man, to be healed would be amazing. I definitely have something that if God would change that, it would be called a healing and I have something in my life that's less than wholeness and I would love for God to touch me that way. Let me see your hands right where you're at, if that's you. Let me see your hands. Okay. Do me a favor. If you can, stand up. If you can't, just make sure you wave your hand. If you can, stand up. And if you can't stand up, just stay where you're at. Just stay sitting and just wave your hand so I can see who you are. That's good, honey, yeah. Yep, okay. There's a lady in the back with a walker. There's a lady right here. The reason I'm asking you to, you got your hand, you, got to, you guys are standing up, just put one hand up. You're not worshiping God and it's not received because we're going to pray. You're just being identified because I'm going to ask people that are sitting, just jump up and run to somebody. You're not on the spot. Just go say, hey, I'm going to stand with you when we pray. Just go grab somebody. Go, go, go say, hey, I'm going to stand with you when we pray. If you're sitting, please, just, get, get, just participate. I'm not going to make you do anything. You don't have to pray in a microphone or anything. Just go. There's a lady back there in a walker. I would love somebody to go stand with her, a, a young lady. Yeah, thank you, ma'am. And there's a lady sitting right here on the aisle in a, in a white slash, it looks tan or brown. Can you get her? Can you go stand with her? Yeah. Can you go get her? I said. <laughs> Are y'all, y'all, okay, good. If you see a hand, if, you, if somebody claimed you and they're standing with you, put your hand down. Only have your hand up if nobody ran to you. Okay, you got him? I got a lady in the back with a red, like a sweater back there, or a pinky, I don't know what you call that, but it's pretty. Yeah, okay, you got her? Okay? I got a man and a lady right in the front row. I think you're claimed, right? You got him, right? Okay, I got a man and a lady in the front row. Is, can I have two more people that are available? Just run up here and, and come up here and stand with them. Is there anybody else that can just stand with them? It's just important. I'd love to get you activated. Stand with both of them, okay? Yeah, two for one sale. <laughs> There's enough Jesus in you. It's, it's, it's the truth, man. Okay, whisper over to them real quick. Two, three seconds. Just tell them what you stood for. If it's not too personal, real quick, just tell them, you know, arthritis pains all through my body, or I got, just tell them what it is so they know what they're believing for. Okay, y'all good? I'm just doing this really, like, different than I usually, a little quicker. I'm almost the same, but I'm just cutting some corners. Nobody with you back there? Is anybody standing? Yeah, you're just praying. His hand's up. Is somebody back there with him? Oh, okay, you're with him. Oh, yeah, you're just praying. Good. Okay. Okay, here's what we're going to do. When we pray, they told you what you're praying for, right? I want you to be specific. You don't have to be long. If, if you pray more than six seconds, you'll probably get self-conscious and try too hard. <laughs> no, seriously. Who's ever prayed for the sick and you got more in, into what you were praying and trying to sound spiritual and powerful? That's why a lot of times nothing's happening because it actually works. If stuff, now we'll have to have prayer college. It's, it's his finished work. It's his finished work. Watch, watch. Be healed in Jesus' name. If there's a revelation, be healed. It's probably plenty. 
But be honest with me, who's ever prayed for the sick and you got more conscious about what you were saying, how you were praying, and what you were trying to say? So I've learned this too with you all the hard way. So tonight we're not doing any of that. About six seconds. If they told you they had arthritis pains all through their body, watch. Arthritis you leave in Jesus' name. All mobility be restored. All pain you go in Jesus' name be whole. Who knows you can pray that and be specific in about six seconds without getting self-conscious. The people being prayed for, all I want you to do is just be in receive mode, and that's not this. <laughs> it's just, wow, thank you that you love me. If you didn't love me, you'd have never sent your son. Watch, if you didn't love me, you'd have never sent your son. That sure beats, well, if you love me, why do I got this sickness? No, the measuring stick of God's love is not found through your circumstances. It's found through a son crucified. You've got to be rooted and grounded in love because faith works through love. You've got to start where love is found. You can't let circumstances question God's love. God's love is settled or he'd never send his son, period. Are you with me? So you just believe he loves you and thank him he loves you and believe he's doing a good thing in your body, okay? If you have a herniated disc, you have a tore rotator and you can't even move your shoulder or lift it up, after they pray for you, I want you to check that thing out and thank God he loves you and check it out and there'll be some things in the room that you can check out. Some of you won't know because you'll need time or a test or it's internal, I get that. But there's a lot of things people would know. You all ready? About six seconds. All I want you to do is pray the situation would change, be completely whole. If there's pain involved, say no more pain. If there's mobility impaired, mobility restored. Whatever involves with what they told you, you'll know what to pray, right? You all ready? You believe Jesus loves them? Yeah? And he paid a price through his blood. Okay, six seconds of the kingdom. Just go ahead, pray it over them right now. Father, we just thank you all through the room. Wholeness. Yep. Bodies change. Pains leave. Sickness go. That's good. Jesus' name. God, he loves them. Yeah. Yep. And then thank God he loves them. Okay, wrap that up. That's plenty of plenty of men. You guys are praying. That's good. Feels good in the room. Father, we thank you. Just thank him that he loves you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for healing. Thank you for restoring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're good. Jesus, you're amazing. Thank you. I wasn't even going to go this route, but we're almost like right there anyway. Just a couple people. Check your bodies. People that know if they were healed, they would know it. Some people wouldn't always know. I usually split it up in groups. But if you would know you were healed, check your body. Check your body and tell me if anything changed in anybody that you know right out of the gate. Like you say, wow. That doesn't hurt, or wow, I can move that. Give me one, two, three people. Something changed right away? For sure? Good. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's smiling. Good. Anybody else? You know you changed right away? Check your bodies. For sure? For sure? Good. Anybody? Yeah, for sure? It's different, ain't it? Ain't that awesome? Good. He's pointing down. Did you say your knees? Yeah? Definitely changed. That's awesome. Check your bodies for me if you could, if you could tell. So not everybody could tell. Anybody else that I didn't see? I got one, two, three, four, five. I had five. Back air changed? Good. What, what, what are you praying, being prayed for, honey, sitting down with the walker? Pain? You still have pain? You feel Jesus loving on you? Do you feel any pain right now at all? Would you normally feel pain? What was your condition? What would they call it? What did they say we're hurting from? Arthritis. Arthritis. Okay. 
how hard is it to stand up? Can you try? Can you stand up and tell me if it hurts? Go ahead, hold on to that walker. That's not a lack of faith. You just stand up and tell me what your body feels like. Because that would have normally hurt a little moving around. What do you feel like? And be honest, don't give us like, don't try to make her feel good. The one that prayed for you. What are you feeling in your body right now? A lot stronger. Do you have any pain at all? Yeah, he's loving on you. I can tell. Good. You're so sweet. Honey, did you pray for her? Yeah, I guess Jesus lives in you then. That's safe to say. Good. Wrap your arm around her like she would be your mama. Just wrap your arm around her. Everybody stretch your hand to her, please. Father, we thank you. Not one trace of arthritis would ever touch her again. Father, we thank you that it will be all found gone out of her body, that no test would show a trace of arthritis. There'd never be another pain. Father, I thank you her joint for wholeness. Ligaments be strengthened and restored where there was damage and deterioration. We thank you for wholeness. And Holy Spirit, thank you. Just keep coming and loving on her. Just keep loving on your girl. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. It's exciting. <laughs> okay, so what happened to you? 31 years? Chronic sciatic nerve damage from the military accident. Chronic sciatic nerve damage for how many years? years. Does that mean 24-7 awareness of sciatic pain? No sleep. No sleep. Watch this, guys. 24-7 for 31 years. You're telling me you have none. Not one trace of a sciatic pain. You can't find it. There was a numbness. It's gone. His leg was numb in the front. What was it from? Uh, A military accident 31 years ago, 24-7 for 31 years, numb in the front of his leg and sciatic awareness of pain, completely gone and no numbness. And you're not making that up to make somebody feel good because that would be called lying. It was already, it was already. Yeah. Ah! 31 years. That's a Bible story, dude. That's like 38 years by the pool, 18 years about over, 12 years issue of blood. That's a Bible story. Ugh. Anybody else? Want to share something? What happened? Anybody know their body changed? It's good to share. Let me ask you this. Whose body changed somewhat? You just didn't raise your hand because it's not all the way, but you know it's better than it was. Let me see those hands. Look at that. There's a bunch. That's good. So what do you do in that situation? Wow, thank you for what you're doing, Gaul. I just so appreciate you for what you're doing, right? And this is the one people don't talk about much. People don't talk about this one much. Pastor, am I blowing up things way too late? Can, we, can you give me five minutes to do something that you'll really like? It'll be cool. Who did we pray for and nothing changed? It seems exactly the same as the first time we prayed. Let me see your hands high so we can know who you are. Let me see your hands. So out of all the people we prayed for, that's, that's, I just got that many? Okay. One, keep your hands up. Is your person still around that prayed for you? Are they still around? Don't ask for another person. <laughs> I've been around us a long time. Raise your hands up. We're going to do something cool. So nothing changed up until now. We got one, two, three, four, five. Anybody else back there? Okay. Can you, okay, there's a couple sitting. Get your person. Get your person. Wave your hand so they see you. Is your person? They come back? Okay, good. You got your person. You got your person? 
Okay, here's what I want you to do. Now watch. Now this is important. We're going to pray six more seconds. Now watch though, the people praying, pay attention. Don't change your prayer. Don't grab for straws. Don't go fishing. What you believe the first time, you stand on that. Because it slips into works. We don't realize how much we get into works when we pray. It ain't about what we pray as much as it's what we believe. So that's believe. Now watch. Faith is not a point in time. It's not a hit, miss, win, or lose. Faith is a position of your heart to believe what he accomplished. I don't want you changing your prayer. Whatever you prayed the first time, and it's not verbatim, quote, quote, same general idea. Don't get fancy. Don't try to pull out an old covenant prophecy or something and stir yourself up. <laughs> just, I'm just saying. Just speak to that thing and tell it to go because Matthew 17 says, faith will say to the mountain and the mountain will move. Now watch, we got like six people we're praying for that nothing changed and I'm believing something's going to change this time around. Are you ready? I just feel good to do this. Let's pray for those six people. The people that somewhat changed, you can grab your purse and say, hey, let's go for it, man. There's grace in the room. Let's go for 100%. You ready? Pray. Six seconds over your five or six people here. Jesus' name, thank you. Change in the room. Because you love us, God. Same prayer, guys. Faith-filled. That's good. Jesus' name. Okay, good. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Amen? Now, just thank God He loves you. And just sincerely, without exaggeration, check that situation if it can be checked. Check your bodies. My five or six people, six, I think it was six. Well, I know it was five. One, two, three, four, five. No, it was six. It was four here and two here. Check your bodies. Anything change that time in my six? Check it. Something? Just feel something moving. Something feels a little like it's relieving is the word I'm hearing, right? Is that best described? Just feeling some relief right now. So what do you do when you pray for somebody like that? If you're out in the street, it's a no-brainer. If they're feeling that way and they're, they're already freaked out, they're like, what? Because <laughs> they're already thinking you're half kooky and they're just kind of patronizing you, thinking if they, you pray, you'll get away. You quicker get away. And now they're going, what? And you say, what's going on? My back feels, they won't like, you say, can we just touch again and pray? And they'll be like, yeah. I mean, I see it all the time in public, right? Sometimes in church we've been so taught and stuff. Sometimes if we're not all the way healed, we feel bad or something. In the streets, they're like, are you kidding me? So I've had people say, what the blank? They'll swear. And the Lord knew it was coming. They didn't catch him off guard. The Lord wasn't like grabbing Jesus' ears. And they're healed. So there's something outside of my five or six or whatever I had. Anybody changing at all? Anybody? Anybody. Okay, here's what we do. Now watch what we do tonight. We have people that said, man, change, just went away. She said, I just feel like he's loving on me. I have no pain. We have some people say, man, I'm changed. I'm just not all the way. And then we have a handful of people that said, nothing changed. Watch. It's all the same faith. It's all the same response. Christians have one response. Man, thank you for, for who you are and what you're doing. And you're so good in my life. And I so, watch, watch. You get home, watch. You get home, you crawl in bed, and that hip bites you like it did last night. And, and instead of rolling over and going, man, I don't know why I'm never healed. Every time I say, I'm not standing up no more, man. It never happens to me. Stop that. Amen. That hip bites you. You say, Father, I just thank you. You're doing a work in me. God, you are touching me, not only my heart, my mind, but even my body. Thank you for the blood you shed, King Jesus. I thank you for holiness in my hip. You stay thankful. You stay rejoicing. You go to sleep. That's how the hip changes. Because you camp and you don't turn faith into a point in time. Faith is a position of your heart. It's where you live. The just shall live by 
That's not a try him and see if you like him 30 day money back guarantee. Y'all good? I kept you long enough in a brethren church. Lift your hands up. We're going to pray. Father, we just right now with our hands before you as a sign of surrender, submission, and honor. We say you are our God. You are our Father. We're not ashamed of you. We love you, and we thank you for the grace in our lives. Father, I personally thank you for all the bodies you're healing and all the things you're doing right now, the people that were humble to respond, and I thank you your blood is speaking better things, King Jesus, over their lives. Thanks for touching our hearts, convicting us, and empowering us. We honor you, and we are honored that we could be here in this place tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Love you guys. You want to say anything, Pastor? We love you guys. Pastor's going to close us out. Hey, tomorrow morning, 1045, everyone is welcome. We're looking forward to just some more time together. Uh, Just hearing from the Lord through our, our brother here. So God is good. Be safe. Have a wonderful evening.